Welcome to episode eight of the TCCG Roundtable. That's right, we're back. We're your hosts, Dragon Rider and Itachi. Good to see you again. Back after what four weeks, three weeks? I, think. I don't know. I've been away. I don't know. It's it's been a rough last month or so, but you know what? We are back with, I would say, a vengeance, and we have a very, very amazing special guest. So Itachi, please introduce our guest for us. All right, in our left corner. No, I'm joking. Um, so today we've got a fantastic guest today. Um, world champion, Magic the Gathering World Champion. Battled through 14 rounds of three different formats, Dominaria United, Draft, Standard, and Explorer uh, for a, a massive prize pool and one of the most prestigious titles in all of trading cards, period. Uh, Magic World Champion Nathan Stewart is joining, joining us today. Make sure I'm pronouncing that right. Stewart? Uh, yeah, you can pronounce it Stoyer. And um, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be here and just chat about our different TCG backgrounds and just generally... Um, have a really great interview and and uh, discussion. Thank you for having so, me. Before, yeah. we, of course, absolutely. Before we jump in, your name sounds extremely familiar. Do, do you do you have a background in any other card game? Good question. I actually have only played Magic. Uh, I've played Magic for the past um, ten years. But funnily enough, there's another person with the exact same name as me who's apparently a poker stud. So that that might be That's what it. you've noticed as well, which is a really oh. funny coincidence. Like, it would yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> what are the odds of that? Oh my gosh! I was like, yeah. is this the, the poker player? I, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't sure, and I didn't go research. I should have researched, but I didn't go research because I'm super <laughs> noted. But... Yeah. So, oh my god. Um, we got a, a a small interview uh, before we just get to chatting and, and rolling away. I'll let Don take that away. Just a couple of questions. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, we, we kind of like to ask all of our guests a little bit just about their background. Now, you already mentioned that uh, you haven't played other card games, but like, what got you into playing cards? And I mean, you, you definitely are uh, on the younger side. You, you said you've been playing. I mean, I've, you know, going back even and watching your, uh, your kind of uh, world champion interview was amazing. They hit on that for sure a lot about, uh, you know, how young you are, just how impressive this is. But like, what got you into card games and what has your your kind of history with magic and and playing been right yeah that's a really good question so i started playing magic um about 10 maybe maybe 11 or 12 years ago at this point it's it's all very blurry and i started at summer camp with the goal being that i wanted to compete in something i've always felt that i'm a really competitive uh minded individual and so before i got really into magic at the same time i was a competitive soccer player and that was kind of my my passion and then i got introduced to uh, local level tournaments and all my friends and i would go and play tournaments together and i think that's kind of what got me in the door just the fact that you can play tournaments at the end if you won all your games in the tournament you would get some prizes and at the time you know you got 25 bucks at the end of the night and that to me yeah. is a huge win. You're like, oh my gosh, like that's more money than I've ever seen in my life when I'm eight or yeah. nine or 10 years old, if you win all your games. And so part of the journey uh, in that sense was just, I wanted to be really good at something and I wanted to be 
really good at something that I can compete with at. And so at the time, I think I was very competitive. I have a twin brother with my twin brother. And so my brother and I would compete really hard to try to do a better job than each other at the weekly tournaments. And it created this sort of rivalry that pushed me to, to try to improve. That's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I, yeah, I started playing card games when, when I was a kid, uh, I was the oldest sibling, so we didn't really have, I didn't, I didn't have someone as close as that, but it's, it's so great to be able to actually have somebody that's close to you to, to play with and kind of push a little bit. That's awesome. I love that. Right. Yeah. I have a confession. 100%. <laughs> I have not confessed this to anyone before and not on the show. Right <laughs> when I was, <laughs> when I was in school, all right, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! And when I was in school, I was the only one in my school that, you know, you play cards at the lunch table or at the breakfast table before school starts or whatever. Um, I was the only one who had any competitive playing experience out of my school. I was still in the grand scheme of things bad, but I was better than everyone at school by like a, a country mile. Right. <laughs> and so all the kids at school would be like playing for their cinnamon roll or like playing for, <laughs> playing for like a dollar or something like that and i cleaned up i I made i made so much money and snacks from just like playing kids who were completely unaware that i was like i had been to a national level event and i've played in like regionals and ycs's and they just like play the same way that the show plays because like the show at the time was completely different like the rules were not followed in the show at all like you could do ridiculous things. And so like they would be playing by the show rules and like I would be playing by the show rules too, but I would just have a way better deck. Anyway, that's my confession. <laughs> I took a bunch of kids' money. Probably wasn't cool. If any of those kids are still around, sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's how it goes when you're playing competitive just, trading card games. Felt... It happens. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That brings like a new level uh, to the you know, bullying people for their lunch money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was, oh, it was bad. Hilarious. Oh, well, all right. You know, okay. Talking about that, there's a variety of places that people play card games. They go do things. Nathan, can you please tell us what, what is it that you like do involving cards? I mean, other than going and just winning the whole dang world championship, like, you travel a lot to tournaments. Do you do any like content or anything else besides that? Or are you just uh, like really hard focused in on uh, competing and going to those tournaments? Yeah, that's a really good question. So outside of competing, which I would say there's multi-level like stages to that, right? And on top of competing, you're training. I have a team that I work with and we spend a lot of time prepping together and formulating um, different strategies. And so that that's half the process. But the, the major thing that I do outside of that is I'm actually a coach for Magic. And I've been coaching for uh, about a year and some change at this point. And so one thing that I've really focused on is uh, I've spent a lot of time learning and crafting my abilities, but there's a new level you can reach, in my opinion, when you start hearing from other perspectives. And one big part of that is even when you're playing with players who maybe don't have the same repertoire as myself playing in competitive backgrounds, 
there's a lot you can learn through extrapolating your process out loud and making a process repeatable. And so mm -hmm. one thing that I like to focus on is building exercises that other people maybe haven't seen before or utilized in order to train new skills. Um, in particular, one skill that I think I've improved on and also helped others improved on, improve on through developing is I am very good at uh, information deduction and hand reading based on prior clues. And so one exercise that I, I really focused on is I'll pull up a notepad on my screen and we'll look at replays of their matches versus other high level opponents or otherwise recordings of them playing in the past. And we'll go turn by turn and do this approach where we say, okay, our opponent made this play. What's the best possible play that could have made on this turn? And if we think our opponent's playing logically, well, if they didn't make this play this turn, they only have one more look the way magic works. They have one more draw at that card on the next turn unless they play a new piece. And so your information lets you build on top of each other in a very organized manner. And I think that mm -hmm. clears up a lot of the discrepancies of like learning well, for one, it, it teaches you how important it is to learn every single card in a given deck or strategy. And two, it, it lets you use that information in a way that a lot of players kind of ignore. And so right. that, that's the main thing that I think I've gotten better at through coaching. And also I, I wish to share with more people. And that's kind of partially why I still think magic is fresh because you can teach other people and help them level up. And I feel like I'm still improving right now. Right, so, of course. Yeah, that's a big aspect of it. That's interesting. Um, I started coaching Hearthstone a year and a half ago, I think. And one of the things that I noticed when I, uh, while I was coaching was that like making a structure and making whatever I was teaching repeatable so that once they left the coaching session, they could continue to build on the concepts that I had taught. Yeah. Gave me so much insight into the way that I was playing on it because it, Hearthstone being a virtual card game, it's very easy to lull yourself into making very autopiloted plays and not taking into account the information that you get on a turn-by-turn -turn basis just by what they play, where they play it from, left side of the hand, right side of the hand, because nothing changes. There's no hand shuffling uh, in Hearthstone, obviously. But um, same concept in Magic, where I, I didn't play as much, but I've played Magic before, and there's a lot of information that you get, especially in a resource-based game, where you can you can extrapolate a lot based off what your opponent does and doesn't do and levels to it based on how quickly they do it, how, uh, with what kind of conviction they're playing their cards in. There's tons and tons of information that you get constantly and being able to take that and, uh, compress it into a teachable concept is it speaks levels about your proficiency at the game. Right. I, I really appreciate that parallel as well, because I think a lot of players in probably all trading card games, don't really understand the tangible steps they can take to improve. And so as a coach, my goal is not to help someone make the best play on a given turn. I think that that's information that doesn't translate very well to learning because I could mm -hmm. tell you what I think the best play is and I'd probably be right the majority of the time given my practice. I don't care if, if you're making the right play, you just have to know why you're making a play. So the thing that I try to get people to do is when we're doing an exercise, you have to justify your place, even if it seems really obvious every step of the way. And sometimes they're like, well, okay, there's only one possible thing. And I'm like, well, what if you didn't do it? Is that better? And, mm -hmm. and so going through that process, that step-by-step -step, really eliminates this autopiloting component to a degree that 
uh, it's such an ingrained aspect of, of card games when you're just playing for fun or when you're playing on a ladder system. Even I do it when I'm playing on a ladder system sometimes. It happens. But you have to figure out methods and ways of getting your awareness and centering it around like what, what is happening right now and what small details do I have to be aware of? So, yeah, I, I totally resonate with what you said. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that so much. I was like, I'm, I'm like cheering almost when you said that because I, <laughs> I was talking about that on my stream like a couple of days ago. It's like, you know, when when you're especially learning and you're trying to improve. Like, I don't care if your reason is terrible, but give me a reason why you're making the plays you're making, right? Like, if you, if you want to improve, because then you can start to identify, oh, maybe my reasoning is off, or you can, you can figure out, like, where you need to adjust from there. But if you aren't even looking at the level of why you're doing something, then you just kind of get into autopilot plays, or you just do it because, oh, because that's what I think I'm supposed to do instead of you know pivoting your game plan or changing things based on what's happening what your opponent is doing what cards you have or have not drawn and yeah that that's such an important aspect um and, and i just want to <laughs> i think my like my mother hen instinct is also kicking in here you talked about details and your coaching you coach on uh metify is that is that correct yeah i do mm-hmm you definitely need to go update that because it still says that you're a 2022 world champion competitor. And that definitely needs to be updated to reflect that. We need, Ooh, we need to get more people that's a in good there. Call. <laughs> I think, I think I missed that. I, you're shooting yourself no, I, short, Nate. Yeah. No, I think yeah, I, I just updated it, but I appreciate it. I, I see it. I'm, I'm looking yes. back on, on Twitter. I'm like, okay. Oh, you're saying on Metify <laughs> itself. You're right. You're yeah. totally right. I forgot that. Yes. Yeah, I was looking That's at that earlier step. going, competitor, hmm, no. <laughs> we we need to give you all the credit where that credit is due, absolutely. Well, I appreciate and, that, yeah, a, a lot. And and that's, uh, you know, it's it's a big thing because for me, when, when I'm talking to coaching clients, um, I, I don't really mind if someone just wants to do one session and, like, get that insight that they can hold on to. But my hope is I talk to someone and they feel like afterward, I want some other people that I'm friends with to like have this interaction and like learn and come back because they need to learn this methodology. And, and maybe they're like, okay, now I learned it. I can teach it myself. That's fine. That's perfect. If you can teach what I taught to you, then I'm doing a good job. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and um, we'll definitely have that all plugged and, and linked as well. So anybody that may be listening to this, if you are interested in checking out uh getting coaching with nathan we'll we'll have that all linked and plugged uh so last real thing on, in terms of like interviewing you trying to figure out where you've been and what you've done in the game so we we know that you are a world champion we know that you obviously qualified through the world championship uh, you qualified to the world championship and you did that through the challenger leaderboard if i'm not mistaken um can you talk about some of your other accomplishments in the game where you uh, something that may be significant to you. You can talk about maybe different events that you've topped or um, finishes that you've had or anything like that. Tell me about that. Cause I, I'm not, I don't completely know. I'm not gonna have like, I do know. I do know yeah. that you won worlds. <laughs> cool. Yeah, of course. Okay. So the, the other really major thing that happens for me in the magic world is I have uh, kind of been on an upwards trajectory playing Magic Online. That's kind of my roots and where I kind of took off as a really competitive pro-level player. And so at the start of uh, COVID, 
I took a full send. I moved out of my family's house. I was 17 and I was taking online classes and um, I just didn't have much money. And so my goal was I'm going to play magic online instead of working retail job. And I'm going to try to improve and, and use this as a way of paying rent. And so that's what I did. And it was really successful in 2020. And so digging into my heels and, and training ruthlessly and spending a ton of time to kind of improve my mindset and mentality around it was the step one that led me to feeling like, okay, like I can really make this and like, I have a shot. I just need to stay humble and like, like practice and figure out how I'm not improving. And so this kind of all led into what is the probably the most premier event on magic online. And so the system is called the magic online championship series. And what mm -hmm. that means is three times a year, you will have eight players who have qualified via pretty difficult tournaments. Um, you either have to win two tournaments, one that's you have to top eight a, a 300 to 500 person event into uh, winning a 24 man event um, based on the number of people who top eight. So three rounds of top eight and then one 24 person tournament where the winner gets to this uh, championship series event. Mm -hmm. And um, before how the system works is you either uh, won this big event um, or you won, there's two opportunities to win like a 550 person event where you can make it. Um, and so it, at the end of uh, tw uh, 2020, my goal was I'm going to try to compete and make it into one of these events. And in the season of uh, 2021 to 22, so last year, I actually qualified for all three eight-man events in a row. Um, so I was Sick. the only player that then made it to all three of them. And uh, in particular, the accomplishment that I'm most proud of in that cycle was uh, one of my best friends uh, who really taught me how to level up. Uh, his name is Sam Rolf. He's a, a fellow coach and Magic Online grinder and pro player. Um, him and I decided we're going to shoot for this leaderboard slot. And so... In the second season, they introduced the Magic Online leaderboard. Um, so the, the real cool thing about it was it's the only metric of consistency that they've had for these events in the past, mm -hmm. which obviously all pro players and competitive players want some reward for consistent top eights, consistent high finishes. And how the system worked was the top two players at the end of the season who had the most top eights and high level finishes um, would qualify for the eight man event. So that was two of the eight slots. And um, at the end of season two, me and my best friend, Sam, who had worked together, finished in number one and two. Uh, we actually both got the, the top two leaderboard positions and we had been training together throughout the week. The events happened Saturday and Sunday. And so you, you have to top eight, maybe six events in the course of the season. And uh, we both managed to top eight the same number of events and uh, clinch a finish, I think. Uh, That's that that was crazy. just a really crazy moment in season for me and, and just being there with my best friend and, and being like, okay, like we put in the time, we got this accomplishment was a really, really uh, inspiring moment that made me feel like I could compete at a higher stage than even this, um, this cycle of online play. Like I can compete mm -hmm. on the world stage, compete um, and, uh, and get there. And so that was my ambition at the end of 2021 leading into 22 and kind of sets the stage of like, you know, where was I before I qualified for worlds? I was trying my best and really grinding online. 
where, uh, yeah, it, that was kind of my roots and how I established that I was here to stay. That's insane that you and your friend qualified one and two. That's just like, I don't think yeah. people can <laughs> fathom how absurd of a concept that is. Um, I have one comparable. There's two guys that I know in Yu-Gi-Oh. They were mm -hmm. pretty good friends. And we have these events called Yu-Gi-Oh! Championship Series. They're usually mm -hmm. 1,500 to 2,000 people events. And they cut after 12 rounds of Swiss to usually what is top 32. Super hard to top 32 out of a couple thousand right. people. Um, so even harder to win. And these two people ended up in the finals in back-to-back -back events. In back-to-back 2,000-people -back events, they were both in the finals back-to-back. Um, -back. So that... Like to for you and your friend to be one two on that leaderboard, um, which rewards consistency, just shows the amount of time and effort that you guys were putting in, and the the practice that you yeah. had to put in. Because a lot of it's muscle memory um, and knowing more, essentially knowing more interactions or having experienced more interactions than your opponent, so that like you know what to do in those interactions is what I found. Totally, yeah. Um, okay. So. Talking about the World Championship, I'm super interested because the World Championship is something that every competitive player wants to uh, get to. It doesn't matter what game you play. If you're a competitive player, you want to get to World. So you've been yeah. there. You've experienced it. Um, I have. This isn't on the show notes, but I have a question. It says that you won with Grixis Midrange. So Grixis Midrange, is that a deck that you built? Did you build Grixis Midrange, or is this a deck that you like drafted? Yeah, so before the tournament, I would say, yeah, I built the deck along with my team. However, in the whole tournament, I was the only person who decided it was the best strategy and to play it. Um, that's why I was going to ask. Field. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's why I was going to ask, because I noticed when I was looking through the bracket, I was like, huh. Yeah, I think everybody else brought hey, Esper, everyone played right? Esper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody played Esper, and, and you uh, played Grixis. Yeah, I mean, when you think about, I mean, you probably understand this, like both of you from, from the card game background as well, but like when you think about deck selection for tournaments, something that's always on my radar is like, are other people that I trust doing similar things to me in terms of like, I trust their deck selection. And usually when I feel like, okay, like my four teammates, I tested with four other people in the 32 man field, there was five of us total. If my four teammates all think, this Esper strategy is the best. Maybe I'm doing something wrong, but I had to check that instinct and be like, uh, I trust myself. Like I I've been here and like, I've played probably the most games that I've ever won on my team. Not, not saying they didn't play a lot, but I, I really wanted this. And, you know, my other uh, partner on the team decided an hour before the tournament submission deadline to switch off the deck. He switched off our exact same 75 cards. And okay. so I, I had to make a decision in, in split time. I was like, do I go with a strategy that I think is the best that I have the most practice with that I, I think is good versus Esper? Cause I think that's going to be the most popular strategy or do I trust that my teammates are right, that it's closer versus Esper than I think, and that the other matchups are going to be more popular. Cause Grixis was a, a flash in the pan. I'm like, okay, now it's established in the current magic sphere is the best deck post tournament and with some new cards that got introduced. But prior to that, I think it was kind of up in the air what the best strategy was. And so making that decision was like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think I'd be the only person. I thought maybe 
five, maybe six people would make that decision, but it turns out no one really had the guts. So that was hard. Wow. I, I'm just, okay, I'm having flashbacks to like two months ago when we had Jarrell on talking about him uh, at the Yu-Gi-Oh! World Championship and how he just like brought that deck out of left field. Okay, is, is this a, is this like a common thing for just world champions to be like, yeah, you know, everybody else is doing this thing. Like, nah, nah, I'm gonna do, <laughs> I'm gonna do this thing and just do like win. I, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think going into the tournament, I thought it would be so unlikely I was the only person. It wasn't like it's an unknown strategy in general. I think everyone had the strategy on their radar. I think they just underestimated, like, I'm not sure how it works in Yu-Gi-Oh, but in Magic, you can change five cards and that might change an entire matchup, which is a really cool thing about Magic. And um, so if you're five slots in, in the your starting deck, you have a starting deck and your sideboard, right? If your five cards in your starting deck are specifically targeted at a, a strategy like what I expected, it suddenly went from, okay, people think maybe it's like, in terms of percentage, 52% to 48% in favor of the Grixis deck. Not that bad for Esper. It's, it's close to, okay, it's probably closer to like 56%, 44%. Like I gained four percentage points, changed five five cards. And, and that's a big difference when you're that's playing at a world stage. Yeah, it's like, that's nine day. When you're playing, it's the same deck every round. You're, you're in percentage yeah. in the tournament goes up massively. So, yeah. Wow. So, um, you played Eli Castus twice. Uh, Eli is a very established Magic player. I mean, um, anybody who's played the game has probably seen his yeah. name. Uh, there were some very heavy names in there. Yuya Takahashi, of course, the previous world champion. Um, Reed Duke, uh, Eli Castus. And so it looks like in the upper bracket, you lost to him two to one. And then you played him again. So you played Eli twice. Um, everyone else in between, as great players as they are, you two owed them, so that's irrelevant. But like, t- <laughs> tell me about the two matches with Eli and how you felt after the first loss, and then how you felt going into the final match. So there's actually in another layer of context. We played against each other one more time in the Swiss rounds of the tournament in the very final round, playing for top four of this uh, world championships. And um, Eli was playing a deck in a different format it was the explorer format that Mm -hmm. initially we thought was a good matchup for our deck but they had this really cool sideboard strategy that kind of juked us and so he he got me really good with that strategy and i had this sort of sickening tiebreaker sweat where it's like am i going to make it in fourth am i going to get fifth it's really hard to know but it's out of my hands right it's out of my hands Mm -hmm. so i'm going to go for a walk turn off my phone and uh, I get back and um, and they're like, come here, like you're in fourth. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And so I, I feel like I escaped there. I'm like, okay, he, he got me good in the first match before top four. Now we're replaying again. And I got to say, playing in top four, I knew he was going to be my scariest opponent. He's a really, really strong technical player. Uh, not yeah. only that, one thing that some players do, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily my skill set, but I really admire is he can switch things up on you at any time. Like, you could have this common idea of what the best thing to do in a certain matchup is, and he'll pull a, a full 360 on you and like change it up. And even if it's not the conventional approach, it'll work. Like he, you think they're they're sideboarding, they're doing a certain strategy in the second and third game, and he he he'll juke you. And so, mm-hmm. in the first of our matches that we played, um, this was the semifinals. I actually in the third game. 
I made a mistake that was kind of sizable. It wasn't like a, you know, people wouldn't say, oh, that's like um, a punt or anything like that. But I played a card that ended up being the wrong card on the third turn of the game. I'd been in similar situations many times testing and my justification for it was wrong. And so that, Mm -hmm. that stung a lot. I was like, oh my gosh, like looking back at this game, like I made this mistake and my reason for doing it wasn't very good. Um, Right. And so the game was super close, came down to the last few cards uh, to the wire. Um, Following that, I'm in the lower bracket. I win two rounds in a row versus other strong players. They were on Esper as well. I felt really confident. I was, uh, I had a few hours off uh, between the sets and I felt good. So that reset period was huge, but mm-hmm. immediately uh, b- before that, like they, they just been like, okay, you're playing your set. You're done. Great. You're going to play your next set right away. Um, and then they, they were like, okay, 10 minutes and then you're in the finals. So it was kind of a blur, right? And I knew I'm playing against what I consider the strong, one of the strongest players in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the finals, <laughs> uh, it's best two out of three matches, which for me, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a great opportunity. Like, I think if I'm 56% arbitrary number, how it feels, then if I get to run it two out of three times, I'm going to have a bigger edge. Feels good. Um the only downside being I always start second because he was the higher seed um, that mm-hmm. came as a factor. And so I knew that was going to be the, be a big thing. I lose the first uh, match two out of three really close. We go to three games and uh, it's a nail biter in the second set. There's this really huge moment. So I'm playing game one of the second set and he has this card with an ability. It's like when it dies, you look at the top seven cards of your library. You can put any number of, of creatures that equal seven uh, total cost into play. And so when you're looking at seven cards and you get to put seven cost into play, maybe maybe it's five cost. Either way, when, when you get to put that many to play, um, it's going to be really unlikely that they miss um, on, on that effect. They get to look at so many cards. Actually, correction, they get to put four CMC into play. But still, it's like you get this really huge ability I'm behind in the game and through my noise deafening headphones, I hear the crowd and they're gasping. And so in this huge spot, he misses on his opportunity. He misses on seven cards and I I make a comeback in a game that I thought I was internally like 5% to win. So I think that was like the deciding moment of like, okay, like I got this. I got to like take the reins back. I win that game. I lose the second game. And then third game, I, I clutch it. I'm like, okay, we're going to the final set for everything. We start the third set. I lose the first game, and I'm like, I, I'm really gonna have to fight from behind. I I, re, I win a really tough second game, and then uh, really anticlimactically, actually, in the third game of of the match, he he gets mana screwed. He's no longer able to cast his spells. I just have to make sure that I'm sequencing ideally and not giving him any windows to get back ahead. But right. fittingly, I end the game by casting the card Invoke Despair, which which kills mm-hmm. him, which deals him four damage for lethal. So that was the, the end of the world. And it was really just this moment of like, could he have won one of these games? Yes. There, there was an opportunity that he missed looking back at it. Um, I, I looked back at the replays and was like, this is good material to look back at. He had this opportunity to win in a game that he missed. Um, oh, wow. And so... 
it, it wasn't clear, but if you go back, you're like, okay, this was his window. He loses this game. This really unlikely thing happens in the game where he misses on his ability, but he also made a slight mistake that cost him. Mm -hmm. So those are the edges then. Like when, when you're playing these stakes, the edges are so razor thin. Like you can't exactly. be caught making even one mistake or else you're going to get punished by it. And it's yeah. having been in a place where I'm playing in front of like a crowd or I'm playing uh, on a big stream and knowing that a ton of people are watching, it's definitely a different, uh, it's a different feeling when you make a mistake and you catch your, especially when you catch your mistake. If you make a mistake and you don't know it and you think you're playing well, I think you're more likely to, to succeed <laughs> later if you get the chance. Yeah. But like when you make a mistake and you catch it, it hurts because you know everyone else caught it. Like, or you feel like in your head, everyone else caught it. Um, I know I did that at a dream hack when I was playing against a grandmaster level Hearthstone player. I played a card that couldn't activate under the conditions that were, I missed, I missed something that had happened earlier and I couldn't play the card. I shouldn't have played the card and I did. And I was like, Oh my God, I ended up winning the match, but, uh, I, it, it was definitely a feeling of like crap. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to ask the next question, if oh, you don't mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, go for it. I, I am curious now, uh, coming from, you know, maybe some more like um, casual style play or other card games, like in Hearthstone, uh, pretty much the tournaments, you just play one format, you know, one kind of type of play. But yeah. for this championship, and, and I know there's, I was actually looking at the Eternal Championship that's coming up next weekend. It looks like they almost copied the Magic World Championship like style of format. Uh, what was it like to actually have to play three different formats and, and be competitive in those? And like, how did you prepare yourself to have to play three formats and do well in them? Great question. So the big thing and this is a resource that I really don't take for granted is my, my team of four other people were really, really good and proficient workers when it comes to spreading information and sharing. And I, I would say we're one of the better teams in magic. Um, we worked with a team of five. We actually had 10 people qualified for worlds or 10 or nine. We split it into two teams. And so we, we each, it was too big of a, a crowd to work together for such a small field. We split into two teams. And when you're testing for three formats, we had to figure out our priorities, right? So the first big thing is uh, the limited format, which was Dominari United Draft. And in this limited format, which means like you're opening the booster packs, you take one card from the pack. You, you guys are probably familiar somewhat with um, draft concepts in general, but in Magic for what we had to do, um, we basically would draft in an internal pod. So we would get eight people and we would, they were all world's level competitors. So you knew every single time, instead of playing online where you'd play against, you know, ladder level players, we would play with the best of the best. And it really sped up the, the learning process. Everyone would post their conclusions. And so that process I think was really ideal. Like talking to other world's competitors afterward, it sounds like they didn't really have that arranged. They maybe had less resources, maybe three to five people but they never got a full group of eight high level players to, to spend their time trying to dissect this format. Um, and, and the limited portion is very important. I actually will go back to that in a minute to make a comment, but the second part, which is this explorer format, 
was very difficult because this is a format that no one had actually ever played. It was a port from a previous format uh, that's only available on the online client, not on Arena, but they hadn't added about a quarter of the high impact cards to the format. So it's just this middle ground where we're not sure what's going on fully. We have to figure it out. And we made some mistakes here. Um, collectively, our team did kind of poorly in this format. We had a strategy that we thought was good, but Ely Cassis' team had this really, really strong counter that I talked about in their sideboard. So a matchup that we previously thought was good got completely turned on its head by four cards that they found. And so, or I suppose one card that they added four of, really, it was just that difference. It was, they found a four of that they could add to their deck, and that really messed up our entire process uh, in retrospect. But we found a strategy, um, we thought it was good, and it ended up being kind of run-of-the-mill average. I, I would not play it again, but I, I think it could have gone much worse. <laughs> um, right. And then in Standard, it was weird, because they, were, they actually announced to World's Players only that there was going to be a banning about a month into testing. Um, there was going to be a banning in the format, which is a really, really peculiar thing to do um, when you know that Worlds has been testing for at least a month. But so be it. They, they were going to ban stuff. They gave us a weak heads up and said, don't test this format while we figure out what we're banning. Um, uh. A really, really <laughs> weird move. But nonetheless, like you work with what you got. You got to like figure out how to not get screwed over by stuff like yeah. this. And um, the card um, that we everyone thought was going to get banned, which is called Fable of the Mirror Breaker. It's the card that I had four of in my deck and the Grixis deck. What kind of separates Esper from Grixis was uh, not touched. Instead, they hit another piece that was sort of crucial, changed some information. But um, that, that decision being made about a week and a half before the deadline for deck submission was put us in a crunch. So we devoted a lot of resources to figuring out what to do after that happened. And at the end, we had two decks that we thought were good. And our team split four to one on those decks. I was the lone Grixis. There was the four Espers. And um, and that was, that was the process of kind of dissecting it. That's kind of like where we ended up. The process was a little more granular, a little more, how are you going to convince your team through different iterations that certain cards are better or worse? And so we decided to do the trial and error method. We basically tried every possible thing we could think of and played mm -hmm. a raw number of games. And then we added some smarter people as well to give us their opinions. And uh, it, it's a, it's a trust-based system, right? Like when you're in that situation, you have to trust your teammates for their information. And if you can't mm -hmm. trust their conclusions, then there's an issue that will end up hurting the whole team at the end. And so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have two, uh, one question, one statement, statement being, um, Reflection of Kiki Jiki is one of my favorite names I've ever seen on the card. <laughs> so the, just interesting that that was the card that you guys thought was going to get banned. Um, second, you are a 100% lock for Worlds next year. Mm -hmm. Do you feel the competitive itch to play as much as you played leading up to this Worlds for next year, knowing that you're already there, you're already qualified? I am going to try really hard to compete in these pro tour events, which are upcoming. There's going to be three this year. 
And the mm -hmm. main reason for that is uh, one of my aspirations, even before I even dreamed of being the world champion and trying to get to the world champion stage was I want a top eight a pro tour event because that felt a lot more obtainable. And I kind of skipped a step, which is okay, <laughs> but I would love to have that title under my belt just so that I could say like, I've at least achieved everything in magic. That's kind of the last thing that I'm like, I would love to, to be able to say I top eight at a pro tour and the pro tour is, is one of the most meaningful things to old school players in terms of like what they think of. Um, so that's my next goal. And there are a few of those upcoming, but we'll see what happens. Otherwise I'm taking a little bit of a step back and embracing the coaching. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you have a, a history of finishing first because you finished first in season two and three uh, championship series or showcase. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then you finished first at Worlds. So maybe you'll win a pro tour this year. I'm pretty sure it's obtainable <laughs> at this point. Uh, Don, you want to go to the next question? I think we only have one or two more. Oh, yeah, the trophy. Yeah. How heavy is that trophy? Gotta know. It's, it's been weighed. I believe it's 22.5 pounds. What? Dang. That's huge. <laughs> that is impressive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it's it. not a very mobile trophy, but that's okay. That's how I get my reps in between my matches. You know, <laughs> just up and down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that seems like the true like gamer uh, type of workout. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, I did want to ask you as well, just a quick, like you, you already kind of touched on this, but if you could give, cause we don't, we don't need to like take your entire strategy or anything, but if you could give people like one piece of advice for trying to find a play group or a play testing group to push themselves further when they're trying to be competitive, uh, like what one piece of advice would you give for people looking for that? Good question. I would say you, well, the, the best methods of doing it are getting involved in the magic Twitter sphere and also in the discord sphere. And then basically cold calling people who you see that appear to be on similar levels than you. Um, there's some level of like, uh, you need to prove your worth in a group, which only comes from one time motivation and demonstration of like effort. And so, mm -hmm. What I've seen and what I've done is there, there is inevitably going to be some way of sifting through higher and higher level of, of groups of players, like finding more competitively minded players. And, and that's just kind of natural when you get involved in the process. But I would say the big thing is, yeah, you, you need to get involved, first of all, and then reach out to people. Like a lot of the people who I talk to are super duper nice. There are open communities in Magic that I'm a part of that I chat with people on, they can message me, they can message uh, hundreds of other grinder level players and ask them to form a smaller group. Just look for a group of 10 to 20 players who are uh, have similar goals and uh, show up and practice. Like people reward behavior like that. Like if, if you're showing up every day and you're practicing, you're staying humble and you're asking good questions, you're not asserting yourself in a way that's trying to prove you're really good at something, then that's going to go a long way. Um, yeah. and yeah, I mean, I, I assume it's very similar. I don't know how similar it is, um, from your guys' background, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really important. I'll tell you in Yu-Gi-Oh, 
actually, I found this in Yu-Gi-Oh! and Hearthstone. Um, there are like cliques of players who are like top tier players. And it's like a ladder. Like you have to, you have to reach that level of competitiveness to be like seen in those tiers. Like I couldn't, I didn't know anyone, any of the top level Yu-Gi-Oh players until I like started having top finishes at championship level events. So like once I topped and it wasn't even after my first top, I had topped like two or three times before people were like hearing the ideas that I had and like listening to like my perspective and stuff. I had people who were on like my level before I got there. And then as like, I continued to climb, um, that's when I would see more people. So I guess it's like relative to the level that you're on and like you have to have the ability and like the, the drive and motivation to take yourself a tier up a lot of the times from the group that you're a part of. Cause usually you're going to attract and socialize, socialize with the people that are like similar level to you in terms of playing. Right. Right. I hear you with like, you really want to try to play with better players obviously that system won't work for everyone at, at some point you're going to have to accept players who are worse for for this to work but what i look for when my team and myself and others um are trying to find new ads is i look for people who fall into the category of like high motivation humbleness demonstration of of effort and when, when you get a combination of those things it doesn't take long for very good players to help another player improve is my experience right um, like yeah pros get formulated by having those sorts of groups and inevitably the the sort of clickishness is going to be a part of card game backgrounds or like any sort of competitive background right like if you want to get better at something you're going to want to work with good players but prove that you're you're here and, and you want to compete and people will give you more chances than you think for sure, for sure. Absolutely. So everyone listening, what he said was, don't message me. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've got what is called the lightning round. Uh, it is just a quick gut, gut reaction questions, um, one after the other. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. So ink blot test, basically. Um, I'll start and we'll ask them four in a row. Okay. Um, so if you were any card in the Magic Universe, what card would you be? I would be Rally the Ancestors. One of my favorite cards. That's sick, actually. <laughs> All right. Next question is, what is your favorite type or archetype of deck to play? I like to play mid-range leaning tempo decks. So decks that press their advantage and can also turn and grind when when you uh, are playing a longer game. Okay, you kind of answered this, but what's one goal you have for yourself in the card game sphere? Yeah, I'd love to top beta pro tour and I'd love to help someone else make it to the world championships. That's awesome, love that. All right, uh, last one that we have typed in here is, do you prefer physical or digital cards? I prefer digital cards for competing and physical tournaments for the experience. So I, I, it's kind of a little bit of both. <laughs> yes. And, and is, so one question that's not included, is there any other card game that you've had interest in? Yes, I am interested in 
uh, it's, it's not really a trading card game, but I'm interested in playing poker and improving at that. I've done some studying in that space and uh, I'll probably move some of my time into practicing. I feel like a lot of card game players who compete at a high level end up moving to poker. Like if you can understand yeah. the concepts of Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh or something like that. Um, I had a good friend. His name was Chi Hoi Yim. He was a really good Magic player. And then he started playing poker as well. So uh, lots of people I know make that transition. So super possible. I play a lot myself. Um, I played a ton when I went to, or the few times that I've been to Vegas, I've always played a few tables and it's interesting what you see uh when you play just like at a random (laughs) a random table as opposed to like what you watch if you like watch high level play totally yeah yeah awesome well thank you so much for joining us it was an absolute pleasure uh to chat with you and kind of pick your brain on some of this but is there anywhere that people can go and find you follow you you know reach out to you about your coaching uh, or anything else that you just want to uh, plug or share sure uh first i just want to say thank you both tachi and don for for your interviewing skills and uh, helping with technical difficulties. And just in general, I, I really appreciate the way you guys conducted this conversation. I, I found it really rewarding and um, it was a pleasure. So reach out if you need anything in the future. I'm happy to communicate. Um, in terms of finding me, I'm most active on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Nathan Stoyer one and you are welcome to DM me. My DMs are open at any time. Additionally, I have Metify set up with, I believe the same Metify as my Twitter. Um, so if, if you wanna do any coaching sessions with me or otherwise figure out uh, some way that I can give you any sort of lessons or teach you, please feel free to message me or book directly through that link. Otherwise, um, yeah, that's everything for me, thank you. Once I start playing Magic again, which it, it'll inevitably happen because I always end up back at like old card games and I played a fair amount of time ago, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't even know what the deck was called. All I know is I played a lot of Terminus and a lot of Entreat the Angels. <laughs> uh, Classics. <laughs> but uh, once I circle around and get back to Magic, I'll definitely be reaching out for some coaching. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and uh, have a really great rest of your uh, roundtable. Thank you. Thank appreciate you so it. Thanks for coming. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much again to Nathan for joining us. That was incredible. I hope everybody enjoyed that interview. That was that was awesome. There was yeah, a lot of really good booking. insight. Hard to get the booking of a world champion, but I am glad he was so willing and able uh, to respond. He was super responsive every time I messaged him. Um, it's very humble, very uh, respectful. So that's something that I do appreciate and, uh, don't take that for granted for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I don't know about you, but even after hearing him talk about like the play groups and play testing, I'm like, I'm all pumped. I'm ready. I'm like, all right, like play testing groups, like for Hearthstone or whatever. I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> How am I going to form these, uh, these play testing groups? I'm ready. Let's go. I know. Right. I'm trying to get some testing in. I wish I was, uh, there was something like big to compete in, but there's like nothing. Cause ladder currently doesn't matter until like next month. And then there's worlds, but like, I know I'm not playing in that. <laughs> it's so weird. This time of year, like, 
and and especially now that I've really been diving into more card games and like following the news and trying to follow more card games, which we will talk about the news and some competitive stuff here in a minute. But like, it's it's amazing what all of the games they all within like a month and a half period all this time of year from like October to you know like December. Mm-hmm. It's just that's when all the world championship happens. That's you know that's like the there's no really um, competitive stuff for <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> no yes that's on that, <laughs> that's one way to say it yes um, yeah and then you know then outside of that all of a sudden it's like the new year starts and then just like everything starts back up so you know oh if if you're somebody who tries to be competitive or plays multiple things like good luck <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, yeah, that, when that good all luck. starts up. Um, well, let's uh, let let's start talking about some news and some competitive and organized play. Um, it has been several weeks. I tried to kind of just get the most like recent or kind of biggest news pieces uh, that we haven't gotten to discuss the last couple of weeks because of holidays and and other things that have been happening. Uh, otherwise we would be here for like two hours just talking about news that's happened the last like three weeks. So not doing that. Um, but for news, uh, we did have the Hearthstone expansion March of the Lich King, uh, did launch this past Tuesday. That was just, uh, Tuesday, December 6th. So that came out that launched, including the new class death Knight. Uh, so that's been, I've been playing the, the crap out of it and, honestly making my own deck and i feel like i'm being successful with it and i'm impressed and i got a compliment saying that it looked like an edelweiss deck and anybody that knows her like i took that as a huge compliment i was like like deck building queen (laughs) (laughs) so i have been enjoying the heck out of this uh last few days of expansion i don't know how much you've gotten to to play your knots of the uh the expansion I've played a bit. I've played a little bit, and it's it seems fun so far. Um, all except for the the shock splitter card that got nerfed. Um, that was a little anti interactive, but everything else, um, I had a ton of fun. Um, it seems, if I were to, it seems like Hearthstone is going away. The well, and it could be just be because we're in a six set meta, but going away from aggressive decks because it's re- it seems like it's really hard to be like a good aggro deck because a lot of the decks that I was playing against had very high health totals. Um, the the Death Knight deck that I played against had like seventy health at some point, like regular HP, and then like at the end of the game played like a Reno <laughs> to <laughs> to like go back up um druids gain a ton of armor still um so there's a lot of there's a lot of anti-aggro play currently like i said it could just be we're in a uh, meta where there's a ton of cards available to all the players so um that usually bodes less well for aggro aggro is usually good at the beginning of expansion cycles and then controls better at the end because there's more cards available so interesting to see how that develops all, and, you know, some of those cards also uh, have been touched with balance changes. Uh, and oh, yeah. honestly, Hearthstone and Eternal, actually both in the last couple of days, uh, have released balance patches because both of them have their world championship coming up next weekend. And, you know, we'll dive a little bit more into that when you cover that. But 
both both games were like, all right, here's some balance changes. Uh, yeah. You know, got to get that covered. So uh, we'll have those linked if you want to check out the Hearthstone or the Eternal balance changes. But um, honestly, like one of the Eternal changes, I feel like is kind of huge <laughs> for Eternal. And it was uh, changing, basically changing the way that the Unleash mechanic works, uh, which... Wow. Yeah, it, it used to be that uh, un- cards with Unleash couldn't cost less than one, but now they, the copies of Unleash cards can't be reduced, like period. So there was a lot of mechanics and decks before where you'd play an Unleash card and get a copy of it, and then it would be discounted, or you would discount a whole bunch and play a whole bunch of copies, and now you can't reduce those copies at all. Like a week before the World Championship, I'm like, oh, that seems That's huge. <laughs> That's a big change. That's like huge. That's a massive change. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I just thought that was kind of nutty. I saw that and I'm like, oh, what? And and they said, oh, it's a kind of minor change. Dude, so what? <laughs> what kind minor. of change now? <laughs> That's not, that doesn't uh-huh. sound minor at all. <laughs> no, no. But, you know, the, the uh, Unleash came out in like April-ish. So, you know, it's it's had its time. I think each every card game kind of has that. We're like after a certain mechanic or certain cards or certain types of things have been kind of around for a little while. Then it's like, okay, yeah. it's, <laughs> it had its time. Like people got to do that. Now let's let's change it and not let them do that. But uh, Denathrius and like you said, that shock spitter card being changed uh, leading mm-hmm. up to this world championship as well. So very interesting to see this kind of similarity between these card games uh, and how soon they're changing cards before uh, major events. And uh, another exciting thing that happened, Marvel Snap won the title of best mobile game at the Game Awards. Oh, congratulations. That was exciting. Like It was just released. <laughs> And uh, yeah, like two months ago. <laughs> yeah. Not even wait. It was Oct- It was Three. it launched worldwide, like out of open beta. Uh, October eighteenth. I was like sixteenth. No, eighteenth. Yeah, you're right. Today's December ninth. So like, less than two months. Wow. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, it's just, very good. It is. One thing that I'm realizing is that I don't play enough to reach infinite. Like, I don't play nearly enough to reach infinite. And it's kind of weird because, like, you have to gain 100 ranks to get to infinite, right? Which is not, which is a lot. But, like, you go back 30, 30 ranks. So if you're, like, infinite, if you're, like, 100, you go back to 70, right? So going from 70 to 100 seems a lot more doable than I'm currently at 10 because I was at, like, 50. And then I got back up to, I went down to 20 and then I went back up to 40. And then I went back down to 10 and I was like, crap, man, that seems tough. So wondering how I'm going to get to infinite without like overexerting because I play so many different things. I can play Pokemon Scarlet and Violet or I play Yu-Gi-Oh! I play Hearthstone. I play Marvel Snap. So it was like, I guess you'd have to be a dedicated Snap player to get to infinite like consistently. Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't think I've even played Snap in the last like two weeks. <laughs> I think I just gave day. up because I was like, I suck at this. Like, I just I, I think I just feel like I'm terrible at the game. So I just gave up. I was like, I can't keep up with this. Like, I play like every day. I don't know. 
Yeah. I, I'm also like, I think as I continue, like, I'm already a pretty competitive person, but honestly, I think the last like little while I've started to really get more and more competitive. So I'm like, when I play a game, there, there's no game. It's not, it's not, it's not fun. No, we're not about fun. Like <laughs> I'm going into that to like, yeah, like I'm going into that fun. to, yeah. Like to me, winning is fun. I'm like, I want to go in the game and win. Uh, and when I wasn't doing that in snap and then I couldn't get the cards that like i'm like yeah. oh other people are like recommending this deck or i see my opponents like you know kick my teeth in with these certain cards and i'm like oh i want to try that and then i go into my collection i'm like oh well i can't do that and i can't get those cards so uh i guess i just it is mindlessly grind and i'm like this ugh. like nah, i, I want to get to my things now like i don't want to mindlessly grind with stuff that i don't care about or whatever to get to the things so I don't have that. No, <laughs> the patience I don't blame for you. that—that's okay. I will say instead, uh, you mentioned a little while back about uh, the uptick in um, fab news and the flesh and blood stuff. So yeah. update, update. I am—I uh, spent like too much money. I will just say, uh, and ordered a bunch of cards. <laughs> ordered a bunch of cards okay. to uh put some decks together and uh, my husband and i have been planning there's uh the pro pro tour qualifier events all start they're running next month oh, sick. Uh, so i found some that are close so we're gonna go go to at least one of those yeah. but yeah so i'm like well i guess we better get these cards and like practice uh playing these decks so heck yeah um and it it's kind of cool because the one that we found actually is going to have a thousand dollar prize pool uh split between top eight so i'm like I'm not expecting to get top eight but also i'm like that's pretty cool that's something to aim for though yeah definitely so yeah, instead of Marvel Snap, I guess I was like, let me just spend a bunch of money on flesh let and blood just... cards instead. How about these physical uh, cards, though? How yeah, about that? how about that? Oh, gosh, yes. So I mean, if the game gets popular, they'll only appreciate with value. And from what yeah. I know about flesh and blood is that the high rarity stuff is, like, expensive. Yeah. But, like, All it's right. accessible because a lot of the cards are available in lower rarity. But, like, if you mm -hmm. want the high rarity versions, from what I hear, it's very expensive. Yeah, it, it definitely can be. Um, but moving on to our other news, then we also have uh, the Pokemon TCG changes have been announced for Scarlet and Violet. Uh, the upcoming stuff, we have the article linked there, but uh, basically looks like some kind of cosmetic stuff. Uh, talking about kind of the borders of the cards, uh, looking at that. So like the classic yellow border framing of the cards mm -hmm. is going to transition to the silver it's border silver. that's been used in Japan. Yeah. Which, you know, I think makes sense. Like trying to change it to all be consistent seems pretty, pretty nice, but uh, definitely going to be a change for those of us who haven't been <laughs> playing with the Japanese cards or looking at those. A um, big change in that is also the packs increasing in price. Yeah. Yeah. Due to inflation and a lot of other stuff, those are increasing. You know, honestly, um, so actually I'm doing a, during this month of December, I'm doing a, what I'm calling 25 days of Paxmas. And I actually yeah, yeah. have 
Yeah. So I I went out and got <laughs> a bunch of like envelopes and I have, you know, them all numbered and mixed up. Uh, and I do a physical pack and a digital pack every day with one of those envelopes. Um, and I've been been opening some, but yeah, when I was getting the packs, I was looking, I'm like, dang, like these, even just from like the last time that I bought physical cards, which has been a while, but even the last time I looked at physical cards, I feel like a lot of those packs have increased because I always remember them being for a long time, the long time they were always like three or four bucks. And now they're going up yep. four and a half, five or six bucks. Even I $5, saw some, yeah. some are, some are six bucks. I'm like, oh my gosh. So, the inflation yeah. is hitting hard. Yeah. Um, but they are doing some things that are to combat that. So like the price of them are going up by 50 cents. Um, but there's going to be three guaranteed foil cards per booster. Um, and then like elite trainer boxes or ETBs, I which I have, if you look here, um, will now come with an additional booster pack and a full art promo card. So uh, they'll come with more stuff to compensate for the fact that they're going to be charging more for packs. So I think that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think a lot of companies would just say, oh, inflation, and then just raise the price without changing yeah. anything. So, yeah, just the like fact that they are, are going up. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty interesting. I didn't see, and, and maybe I missed it somewhere, but I didn't see if it was announced, like, when the Scarlet and Violet cards are coming. I don't know if you happen to to see that or not. Wait, what um, would you say? You when said, the, like, when are they making the changes? Yeah, like, w when are the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet cards coming? Um, it'll just be the next scheduled set release. It'll be the Scarlet and Violet set release because they were Sword and Shield, I believe. Um, right. And so now they'll be Scarlet and Violet. And so that next set, um, Silver Tempest, I think, was the last Sword and Shield set. And that just came out. So I think we're another like yeah. month, or, month and a half away. Okay. Uh, yeah, next, I didn't which... see like a date, and I don't know if they have like a an actual schedule somewhere. So right, right. Yeah, I, I don't know that. the exact launches. I think they're a couple of months apart. Um, it seems like they're very. It always feels like they're very close because it seems like once a set comes out, then there's like already another set that's about to come out. And I'm like, God. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. They've been yeah. Pokemon and Magic, I think both, like, they've been putting out a lot of sets. A lot of product, yeah. Lots, yeah, lots of products. That's what um, they do on Christmas, though. That's, like, the thing. Yeah. Uh, and then we also had, thank you to uh, one of our viewers in the live stream, also uh, letting us know and making us aware that uh, Genshin actually released a card game. Uh, Genus Invocation TCG is an original card game that became playable in Genshin Impact uh, as of yesterday, I think, was that? Let me see where. Let me see when this article came out, Wednesday. So it came out Tuesday as well, I guess, the, uh, the same day as the Hearthstone expansion. Um, <laughs> there's so many card games, so many card <laughs> games. <laughs> incredible uh, but that's pretty much it that i have for for news and again you know we've kind of missed some weeks so probably missed something in there but we'll try to you know catch back up with everything um but what do we have itachi for the competitive and organized play 
So we've got a couple of world championships. Uh, we've got Hearthstone World Championship next weekend, the 16th through the 18th. Uh, it's going to be 16 players, some really, really good players, um, best of the best. I don't know if there's anyone that I've, I don't know if there's anyone that I've been like, that person should be at Worlds, but everyone I think should be at Worlds is pretty much at Worlds. Um, it's going to start at 3 a.m. Eastern each day, so it's going to be a very, very early broadcast if you're in North America and if you're on the, the West Coast, good luck. Um I'm usually up for work at 2.30, so I'll probably catch some of the games early before I uh, start working. So at least I'll get to see some of that. Um, that'll be linked. Eternal also is having the World Championship, the 17th and 18th. Uh, it's going to be three format play, kind of like uh, Magic World Championships. Uh, and throughout the broadcast stream, there will be announcements and card reveals for their next set, which will be coming in January 2023. So they'll be doing some spoilers and updates as their World Championship goes on. Um, so that'll be linked as well. And then we've got Flesh and Blood, Don's favorite TCG. Uh, they announced their 2023 competitive organized play information, uh, including confirming that there will be that million dollar prize pool minimum for 2023. That is one million dollars, million with an M. That is six zeros, seven figures. That's a lot of money is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so that'll be linked as well on Fab TCG. So uh, Flesh and Blood is coming in strong in the card game pool. They really want to get there their their events out they really want to get their name in there and don you're in the in on the ground floor so good luck to you i hope you qualify <laughs> yeah. uh, for that pro tour because you can bring home that million uh, some of that uh, million. yeah yeah N now that million is spread across like the whole system right. for the year so they actually do have a breakdown in that article that we'll have linked uh but three hundred thousand of that is for the world championship which they did uh what was God, they're all it's all blurring together i don't know just like a month ago five weeks ago now the yeah. this year's world championship uh, which was the first one uh, was also that three hundred thousand dollar prize pool so they're kind of keeping that same system and then you know the rest of it's kind of split throughout the other uh, levels of play but yeah minimum they're they're doing this and apparently this year 2022 was uh they kind of have a little bit of a history in that article as well uh, i was reading uh, this was the first year they really did like organized play and really set it up and had like structure and, and all of that as well. So um, they are trying to keep that promise of that 1 million. We've talked about that as well for the battle saga game coming out. So, yeah. you know, these card games are really trying to push that big prize pool, keep people invested. Yeah, definitely. And it's working. Um <laughs> Um, yep. Yu-Gi-Oh! YCS Yu-Gi-Oh! Championship Series Remote Duel is tomorrow uh, and Sunday. It is this weekend. Um, that is a championship level event similar to their uh, in-person events. It is going to be online um, where you will take your camera and you'll be on Discord. It's played all on Discord. You turn your camera down so that you can see the desk uh, kind of like this. And you play your deck like that. Um, so that's going to be this weekend. I will be competing in that. Um, so hopefully I do well. Hopefully I don't do well. And hopefully I do well. I have a family event tomorrow and it starts. My family event is going to require me to leave after like round three. But if I'm like 3-0, that's going to suck. So <laughs> trying to figure out what to do in that situation. But I'm just going to, uh, I'll just drop. I'll just have a little bit of fun. And if I'm just feeling the itch, like really, really great, I'll, we'll just go to the family event later and we'll see how that plays out. So um yeah shout out to my family also uh just as a, a note of clarity and uh openness 
uh, I've been working on vulnerability as a human being, so I really like to, to be able to express. But I missed the last couple of weeks, not only because of Thanksgiving and Black Friday, which was huge for my, I work in retail at one of the largest retailers in the world. So Black Friday is like the day, uh, the week. And then after that, um, I there were tons and tons of things going on. Uh, and then this past week I missed, I was supposed to be back, but I missed because a dear uh, person to me, my great grandfather, my pop, passed away, uh, taught me a ton, a ton of lessons. Um, it's not often that you get to grow up with a great grandparent. I grew up with a great, great grandparent and a great grandparent. So um, I was super, super lucky. And I spent a lot of time with him and he was, I was his first grandchild, therefore his favorite, uh, first great grandchild. So I was also his favorite. And so uh, it was tough to, to see him go home for the last time. So um, that is why I was out. I'm glad to be back though. Uh, feeling rejuvenated, feeling ready. Um, had some, took some time off of work to kind of get go through my grieving process, which I was able to do. And because I was able to do that, I feel a lot better about the situation now, and I can continue life on as normal. So glad to be here. I uh, just want to let everybody know where I had been, just so it's clear. Yeah. Well, we're we're glad to have you back. Absolutely, and glad that you had that time. Uh, that's. That's something that's that's super super important. I've gone through, you know, very something very similar a couple of months ago. I think like right before we started the show. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, definitely understand that. But you know, I I feel like it was a sign, and I know you and I talked about this, but uh, there was a bit of a scheduling conflict, and Nathan wasn't available last week, so we pushed our interview with Nathan to this week, and then you told me that, and it was like. I feel like that was an absolute sign that like, <laughs> we're just not going to have a show like last week. It's fine. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll take the time. We'll do what we need to do. Re, you know, recenter, get back on with, with everything this week and kick it off with that awesome interview that we got to do with Nathan. So, you know, and I appreciate that. Cause I was going to do Yeah. For everybody, listen, I was going to do the show and just be like, I was like, Don, just like, so that you know had a death i might be emotional i might not you know just in case i like have to take a step away during the during the interview or during the talk or anything like that i was just like and then she was just like you know nathan couldn't come today and that's probably a sign that like you should just take some time and i was like you know i didn't even think it. normally i think about stuff like that or my wife thinks about stuff like that and she's <laughs> she's the one that's like it's a sign and i'm like all right <laughs> but yeah. um thank you for that so Glad to be back. Yeah. Yes. Well, I am glad that we're back too. And, you know, it's middle, early, middle December, however you want to look at it. So, early of course, holidays. <laughs> yeah. Like, so holiday time and still lots of stuff going on. You know, for some people, it's an insanely busy and, you know, incredibly amazing time of year. For other people, it's like the worst time of year for them. So, uh, it, it's just, all over the place this time of year but you know we'll we'll try to still be here as much as we can chat about cards and man next week like i i don't know how i'm gonna do things next week i'm gonna be like hearthstone world championship up on one screen like maybe trying to check out the eternal world championship on the other screen i'm gonna be trying to play hopefully my my flesh and blood cards start coming in so that I can <laughs> start getting my decks together. Like, I don't know, it's good. And I, the next two weeks, I'm also going to be uh, doing one of those like um, kind of part-time temporary jobs for the holidays. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, that was yeah. unexpected, but uh was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So uh, I will be You're going to be tied busy. up. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, anything else that I know we kind of did our show a little bit out of order today, but because uh, we had Nathan on and, you know, yeah, he had he had a little bit of like, you know, a time limit. So I uh, wanted to respect that. We made sure that we rearranged how we normally, you know, order the show. So we got to all of this later. But oh, 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 I forgot. Yes. Um, in terms of news, um, Diablo 4. Um, if you pre-purchase Diablo 4, you get open beta early access. That is happening right now. Um, in your Blizzard client, you can pre-purchase Diablo 4, which will be releasing soon. And like I said, you'll get early beta access and you'll be able to play it a little bit sooner than everyone else. Okay, uh, be right back. Going to go do that and play. So I guess <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. My, me and my husband are super excited for that. Like, uh, and actually, our um, our wedding anniversary is in April, and his birthday is two days before that. And uh, originally, I think there was speculation or, or chatter that it was coming out in April. So we were super excited for that. But I guess now it's coming out later, like June or something now, like early June when I, it's launching. But I think it's like um, four, I think it's at four days of early access. Um, so what you get is you get up to four days early access, you get an accelerated seasonal battle pass unlocked, and you also get the wings of the creator emote. Um, so, yeah, some pretty cool Diablo 4 stuff if you are a Diablo fan, which it seems like you are. Um, yes. There will be a developer, developer update live stream on the 15th. Um, so next week, there will be a developer update live stream. So you'll be able to see that as well and see what they've got going on. Heck yes. Well, you know what? To tie that to card games too, I hope that there's something in Hearthstone, like an event or something, to like celebrate the launch because I there was a brawl a long time ago in Hearthstone that was like the secret cow level, and you got that sweet card back. Oh, oh the Diablo still, card back. The, yeah, the Diablo card back. It's that still back one of my sick. favorite card backs. <laughs> like I love that, that card, card back, back so much. Sick. Yes. Yeah, so I hope that they do something like that. And uh, if anybody, you know, that happens to have any sort of influence in that direction might listen to this, if there isn't anything, take note. I, I, <laughs> you know, people would like it. I, and people is me. <laughs> me, <laughs> yes. we are people. Me, I, yes, I are people. I've never played a Diablo game. Like never played a Diablo game, but the art for Diablo is it's absurd it reminds me a lot of like uh oh death note gosh, like anime yeah. style artwork oh it's so good and the artwork oh. on um speaking of artwork artwork on hearthstone is fantastic as well because the new lich king board and then like the anime or the uh, the intro opening monologue where it's normally magni or the innkeeper um it's not it's like the lich king now and it, He's like yes. got this deep raspy voice, and he's like, "You yes. arrived. Show me your strength." It's, a, it's super cool. It's so good. Yes. Oh gosh. Oh well. Good luck tomorrow in in the event that you're playing for Yu Gi Oh. I do hope. Oh, thank you. That it works out. I am playing my version of the current best deck, and I think that my version 
it is only like two cards different than everything else, but like those two cards make a world of difference. So hopefully those two cards will lead me to the promised land. Heck yes. Well, Nathan was talking about that same kind of thing earlier. So I hope so. I hope so. Oh, all right. Anything yeah, else? Two, that... So five cards in 60 is what he was saying. Like five cards in yeah. 60 makes a difference for me. It's like two cards in 40. So like it's a smaller amount of cards, but a smaller deck as well. So. Yeah. Uh, anything else? No, I'm good. No. I'm going to go try to get to Infinite and Marvel Snap and also Legend and Hearthstone. <laughs> so. Heck yeah, there you go. Well, thank you so much to all of you for joining us. And, you know, if you know someone who would be interested in joining us, or if you are someone who would be interested in joining us, or even have suggestions, you know, on amazing guests like we had today, you know, please reach out to us. Let us know. You can email us at tccgroundtable at protonmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash tccgroundtable, and use that top pinned tweet uh, to join into our Discord, chat with us in there, or you can find that Discord link in the description or show notes. Uh, join in there and chat. Or check out the video version. We do uh, record this live on my YouTube as well. So you can head on over there and find it at youtube.com slash TCCG, And then everywhere that you can find audio podcasts. And of course, find us individually as well. That is always linked. But otherwise, thank you so much for joining us this week. And we will see you at the roundtable. Have a good night. <laughs>